Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Weekday Wednesday, Tucson, Arizona's number one online radio podcast about all things medical cannabis. Your host, Bellstar. And the Cannabis Kid. Our show features news, interviews, and all the latest information about anything and everything medical cannabis related in Tucson, Arizona, and, and the, the world, world at large. We'd love to hear from you. Please give us a call live at 646-915-8421. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on all social media, or email thctucson at gmail.com. We'd like to thank Tumbleweed's Health Center and Studio C, along with our many sponsors for hosting our show every week. With the lowest price certifications in town, you'll find hemp products accessories, and all things related to medical cannabis education. Visit Tumbleweed Health Center at 4826 East Broadway Boulevard or online at tumbleweedhealthcenter.com. And remember, be smart, be safe, and educate. All right, welcome to Weed Day Wednesday, everybody. Woo-hoo! Trying to get to my sound effects, and of course, everything's always messed up. The show already quit. We haven't even started. All right, for the bestie, it is April 27th. All right, did you get your bong hit? Oh, boy. Uh-huh. There she goes. Down for the count. Silver sister needed a bong hit today. Big time. All right, folks. Welcome to Weed Day Wednesday. Uh, it is April the 27th, and we've got a fun show today. We have Francesca Vivala. Did I say? I hope I said that right. I never know how to say last name. <laughs> Lucky I get the first name right. Oh, man. So, how's everybody doing this morning? We're a little ungrounded, but we're going to get back to it. Luckily, everybody is safe, and um, now there are not six kitties in my house, but ten. Don't let tree cats adopt you and have babies all over your house. That's my advice. Not that I could help it, but it happened. (laughs) I got adopted. All right. What is going on in the world of weed out there with everybody? Uh, Let's give some shout outs this morning. First thing to Tumbleweed Health Center, 4826 East Broadway Boulevard. Come on down and get certified Monday through Saturday. Um, and let's see, if you go to tumbleweedshealthcenter.com 
and you check out the certification section, you can see for yourself right there, and I'm going to let you know right now what conditions qualify you for a medical cannabis card. You can also book your appointment right there. And um, all right, so PTSD, got to have notes for that. Got to have a doctor's notes for that. Uh, cancer, glaucoma, AIDS, chronic pain, severe nausea. Uh, nausea. You get nausea. Yeah, nausea. Severe nausea. I think I was thinking of another word and it came out like that. Um, seizures. Yeah, that's where I went from because it goes from severe nausea to seizures. So nausea. So if you get nausea, including epilepsy and seizures, <laughs> you can get your medical card. Uh, HIV, a, uh, Hep C, ALS, Crohn's disease, agitation of Alzheimer's, uh, cachexia, or wasting syndrome, severe and persistent muscle spasms, including multiple sclerosis, chronic pain. Um, will cover most everything uh and that's the that's the i think like 80 something percent of of certifications or 90 percent probably 90 percent of certifications for chronic pain so if you didn't hear your ailment on there don't worry you can still get certified and if you're if you have a problem causes anything on that list then you can get certified for that so there you have it if you suffer from one of these medical conditions and have been diagnosed by an Arizona licensed physician, medical cannabis may help relieve your symptoms. Tumbleweeds Health Center is Arizona's premier cannabis certification health and education center. Our primary focus is to help the patients of Arizona obtain their medical marijuana card and educate everyone about medical cannabis. With current medical records, approval is a simple process. Contact Tumbleweeds Health Center to see if you qualify for your Arizona medical marijuana card. That's right. Give us a call, 520-838-4430. You can email thctucson at gmail.com. Come on down, 4826 East Broadway Boulevard. Also, let's give a big shout-out to the Good Leaf, 6224 East Speedway Boulevard, right next to Bookman. Go get a book and get some CBD while you're at it. Or go grab some CBD and then go read a book. Even better. I like it. I like it. You can get a hemp joint, smoke a little... Go in, read a book, go to Beyond Bread, get a coffee, go into uh, Bookman's. There are a lot of cool places in that uh, little complex that that we're in, and and there's a tea, boba tea, boba uh, something. There's a tea shop coming in. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're going to be right next to us. So So that means we're going to be sharing tea and CBD. That'll be good. Um, There's an interesting... um, Oh, we don't need to name every business over there, but there's some interesting stuff over there. Edible fruit designs, you know, sculptures, uh, roses and more. I love that flower shop. They used to be over here at uh, Craig Cross or wherever. But anyway, um, so there's that. And we're open seven days a week over there. So you can check us out seven days a week for all your hemp and CBD needs. There's all sorts of really great, um, is it hemp weed? Is that what you call it, hemp weed? <laughs> Decaf weed. You can get herbs. You can get your herbage down there. You can smoke some herbage. You can do capsules, uh, lotions. We've got some really, really strong CBD lotions now, like 2,000, 3,000 milligram things. Yeah, 3,000 milligrams. Uh, we've got uh, cigarette-like products. TAT, T-A-A-T, is a CBD cigarette, if you will. Uh, a lot of people like that, actually. It's helping them get off smoking regular nicotine, which is great. So also want to give a shout out to Canna Health Online Digital Magazine. 
Canon Health is a digital magazine focused on knowledge, safe access, and advocacy with a monthly subscription readership. It's loaded with scientific and clinical articles from various healthcare professionals, profiles of cannabis clinics offering safe access to medicines, national and local organizations open to the public, and real-life patient success stories. It's free to subscribe, so don't miss another issue of Canna Health. That's right, and you can actually get there from our website. Um, just go to the radio section and scroll down, and there should be a link there, or a, the, actually a logo, and click it, and you can get over there. Also, growershouse.com. Check them out. <laughs> Trellis netting. <laughs> Understanding trellis netting with Nate Lipton. So there's a whole video. That's a funny picture of him bearded out. Um, that's funny. A lot of guys, when they get in the cannabis industry, they just grow these massive beards. What is that about? What is that about? Is that nature? Is that nature? <laughs> Growershouse.com, 3635 East 34th Street. I even had a couple of guys come down and check out my room, make sure everything was groovy, make sure uh, actually helped me hook up a CO2 tank, which I'm still nervous to even start, <laughs> only because it could tip over and shoot through the neighborhood like a torpedo. So be careful with your CO2 tank. Actually, before I, I want to, like, he's, the guy said that they actually um, mount it, to, they brace it to the wall. They put a rope around it or something so that it doesn't fall over and shoot through your neighbor's house. That would not be a good thing. Um, let's see. What else? If you go down and you can check out um, 10 Buds and CBDVS, and there you have it. Today we have a special show. We always love when we have guests on our show. We love when people reach out. We've, been, we've had a lot of guests on. We get, keep getting reached out to because of this all this COVID stuff. But even as people are going back there, I think people are, they got accustomed to podcasts and listening and chatting and doing interviews and things like that. So today we've got a really interesting interview with um, Francesca. And why don't we just go ahead and welcome Francesca to We Say Wednesday. Welcome Hi, to the show. how are you? Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm so excited to be on and talking with you. Yay, we're excited, too. We love having guests. And you are a very, very special and interesting guest for us today, Francesca. Did I say your last name right? <laughs> you did. You Nailed it. It was perfect. It was it's Vavala it. or Vavala. Either way works. Okay. Is it Italian? It is. It's very Italian, yes, from Calabria. Yeah, that's my husband's family from oh. over there. <laughs> Oh, awesome. I know. I wanted to throw that Italian thing in there when I saw your name. I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> so, uh, Francesca, tell us, um, you've got a very interesting story about being a conjoined twin. And and then from there, I mean, your life just seems to have gone in a, uh, an awesome, awesome path. But tell us how you got into all this. Maybe if you want to share that story, we'd love to hear it and, and talk to you about what's going on. Sure, I, I'd love to. Um, yeah, I let's not bury the lead. I was born a conjoined twin. Um, my maiden name is actually Selvaggio, another very Italian name from the Sicilian yep. area. <laughs> um, but yeah, we Emily, Emma, and I were born in actually Dagsboro, Delaware, which was a nothing town back in the day. Um, my mom didn't realize that she was having, she knew she was having twins. She didn't know that we were going to be conjoined. The doctors didn't know. Nobody knew back when there was only oh. one ultrasound for 
a pregnant person. Oh. So one position for babies. Yeah, yeah. That was, so. Yeah. That that causes problems um, when you don't know that kind of thing because yeah. we went um, into you know normal delivery and that's when you realize two babies can't come out that way. So it was actually oh. that had started to be delivered first, and when they realized oh. what was going on, they had to essentially like push her back in and do an emergency C-section, which cut off oxygen from her brain. And that oh. um, resulted in a very severe form of cerebral palsy. Meanwhile, I was the second baby, and so I didn't have that kind of trauma, and I was born without CP. And so a lot of times one of the first questions I get about being conjoined twins with, with one having a disability and the other not is, well, how did that happen? And so that's, that's mm. what happened is it's just kind of, you know, wow. luck of the draw sort of a thing. Yeah. Right. So wow. we were... Big, big kind of hubbaloo about our birth. Um, we yeah. were rushed to Johns Hopkins Hospital, and that um, at the time, Johns Hopkins had never done a separation surgery. So we were the first at Johns Hopkins, which later became kind of renowned for separating conjoined twins. And at four days old, we were the youngest uh, conjoined twins ever to be successfully separated in the United States, with states, which means that both twins live um, past the surgery. And ideally, wow. you want twins, you know, babies to be healthy and developed and everything before trying such a risky surgery. But Emily also had a blockage, um, a GI situation that had to be operated on. And so we had to be separated because we were connected at the abdomen. So we were connected from, you know, like oh. our, our chests and stomachs and shared the liver. And that was the one wow. really good thing is that the liver regenerates when you're young and healthy, and oh, so we could each have right. some and Part grow into, yeah, yeah. So lots, lots of uh, big things happening right out the gate for sure, and wow, it yeah. it shaped my life obviously. And I, it sounds like a tragic story. It's it, you know, it's a lot of trauma and hardship and everything but it's really just it, it's a very happy story because we we grew up together um very close yeah. emily and i communicated incredibly well and you know we were twins Aww. we we were sisters yeah. and despite her disability um you know it was never a barrier for us or for our family it was just something that we lived with and worked around and you know made the adjustments to where we needed to which was just a lot of you know, handicap accessibility, a lot of medical needs, a lot of learning insurance things. And luckily my mom was a nurse and was a nurse her whole life. So oh, wow. um, that was another good fortune kind of thing where she had the background to be, a, you know, a very fierce advocate and, um, and, and an informed advocate for Emily whenever she needed it and taught us to be the same and to do the same. So Unfortunately, the one thing we didn't know about at the time because of all the stigma and the prohibition around it was the positive effects that cannabis could have had for Emily's life, mm -hmm. um, you know, the antispasmodic mm -hmm. properties of it. And instead of mm -hmm. using these heavy pharmaceuticals, the option to have had cannabis oh. would have been a great thing to have. So, yeah, uh, that's kind of the... The one thing that is uh, that's probably my biggest regret is is not having access to an education of the plant, um, because unfortunately in 2013 
Emily passed away from a very – a superbug, a, a really bad bout of pneumonia. Um, so it wasn't that her CP is degenerative or progressive and killed her, but because of her severity of CP, she was susceptible to respiratory um, infections and unfortunately just couldn't beat this last one. Um, so I lost her in, in 2013, which yeah. was a real hardship. Oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I'm sure um, it's still very hard. That's, I can't even imagine. Yeah, absolutely it is. It's, it's never, it never gets easier, but it does evolve. And I've tried to take what I learned too late as a mission to educate people and to teach people about cannabis and to make sure that that access to it is readily available to make sure education on it is out there. It's, it's become something that I find incredibly important so that nobody will have to live with the same kind of regret I do, that nobody would have to have an option not available to them like Emily had. So that's been really my driving force of being in cannabis for sure. Absolutely. Have you run into other folks um, with CP that, have had successful experiences with this? You know what? I haven't actually done that yet, and I really am interested hmm. in it because it's, it's CP is one of probably the most, un, I want to say, like underserved in terms of a PR campaign <laughs> um, disability. Yeah. And I think it's because yep. it's hard to understand. It's on a spectrum. So, right. you know, the sign right. in Breaking Bad had CP, but he could walk with crutches and drive a car. And Emily had CP, and she couldn't eat by mouth, wore a diaper her whole life, couldn't walk or talk. So oh. when you have such wow. a range, there's no, like, avatar for, CV, for CP. There's no you know, mm -hmm. kind of picture perfect for it. So it becomes very much like sidelined whenever we talk about disabilities. You just don't hear a lot about cerebral palsy. Um, and no, I don't. think that's a big part of it. And it's, it's a shame because I'd love to see more conversations, especially in the med medical marijuana community, about spasticity and uh, cannabis and how it can help. Because even, even CBD, if you're, you know, if you're against the THC, one, please please educate yourself. And two, you know, that's okay too. And you can still get the benefits of the plants through other cannabinoids. So yeah, it's something that I am looking to do more of more work with disability communities, more, um, I guess, promotion about cannabis to people with cerebral palsy, the CP community in general, for sure. But our, our business, um, the sales joint that, that I run is really on the industry and helping with helping growers and producers get into retail stores and grow their business as a business. And so and rather just looking at it as a product, looking at it as a whole business and making sure small business cannabis can succeed in a world where corporate weed is very much, um, you know, getting a head start in regulations, in money, in, in a lot of different ways. So we are working with small business cannabis because I really believe that that kind of craft uh, producing is where medical marijuana needs to actually have a focus because those are the people that are going to care the most and be able to, I feel like, cultivate really the medicine in a way that 
that just speaks to me. So to me, sales becomes a patient care issue when you look at the supply chain mm-hmm. of getting access to cannabis, making sure people know how to produce and then, and then put themselves out there in the industry in a way that promotes themselves so that patients can get to their stuff. Right. Um, yeah, the, it's, uh, it, it's a, it's a strange, it's a, not strange, <clears throat> it's an interesting industry in that most people don't go, like, you don't just get to go into a medical field without, like, a ton of training and education. And, and yes. the folks in the dispensary, the quote-unquote bud tenders, I hate that name, <laughs> but those <laughs> folks are the, are the, the first to serve people and they just, you know, they don't know what they're talking about. Um, so we're with you on education because you've got people. We get so our office sees thousands of people, and they're mostly older people. And so they'll mm-hmm. go to a dispensary, and the the person behind the counter will say, "Oh, we just eat half the candy bar," you know. And so Grandma comes back <laughs> to tumbleweeds the next day, and she's eaten like, you know, 150 milligrams of something or 500, you know. Oh, so no. yeah, education is just yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, this the sales joint. So are you just are you helping businesses just sell to dispensaries, or do you help set up shops? Do you help educate and train specialists, or? Yeah, we we help. Uh, we started out really focused on helping people with the sales aspect, getting them leads for dispensaries, everything that they need to sell into a dispensary, we kind of productize. So we'll call dispensaries, let's say, uh, for one for one example, Oklahoma. Um, you know, there's so many dispensaries, so many producers. It's too much chaos for anybody to talk to everybody. You know, you can't manage that kind of customer base with uh, as a solopreneur or even a small business. And so what we offer is we call the dispensaries. We find out who the purchasing manager is, what are they buying, what kind of price range are they buying at, who's their customer personas, generally speaking, are they growing, are they not growing, you know, kinds of, in terms of mm-hmm. business, things, everything you would need to know as the producer to go in and pitch your product, how do you want to be sampled, um, what is your uh, policy, what's your turnaround time, all of that information will put into what we call the hot sheet, and then subscribers can get that every week, 20 to or 20 or so hot or warm leads, that's dispensaries that are looking to buy a specific thing or are open to new oh, vendors. Okay. Yeah, right. and then the producers can call and build the relationships, close the deals. But we also realized that wasn't enough. People were still not having the sales process and the system to their business to actually make that uh, converted and closed deal. So we have workshops, we have sales tools that are downloadable so we can help you train your staff. We can help you, um, you know, set up your CRM on the consulting side. We can essentially set your business up for success wherever it is that you don't have the expertise or the interest or the bandwidth. Is it do you even have a business plan? Do you have too much of a business plan that's overbuilt? And you need to, like, simplify that down because cannabis pivots every day. So having a five-year business right. plan is probably not very valuable. Um, but a six-month one is absolutely necessary. So things that we've learned working in states across the country in terms of what makes a small business successful in cannabis, that's what we bring as consultants. And we say we can accordion that however you want it's it's we want to help you really succeed because 
it's our philosophy of no one grows alone. You know, do what you're really good at. Grow that fire and then have us teach you how to sell it. That involves getting, you know, you have two customer bases. You have dispensaries and you have consumers. Even if you're a producer not selling directly to consumers, you should be educating them on how you're different. What is your grow method? Why is that important? What does it mean about not using pesticides? What should consumers look at when they're shopping in a dispensary? A grower should be educating them as much as the dispensary should because we all need to be in this together with such a new industry in its infancy with new consumers coming on board every day that don't know what they're in for but have been told that this is dangerous, illicit, and scary, we need to make this much lower um, barrier to entry so that it's like, no, 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 it's actually it, it, it's, some, it's empowering, it's a healthy thing, and here's what you need to know to combat all that misinformation that we've all you know, been under for 30-plus years, for a generation almost, so... Yeah, we do a little bit of everything in terms of the consulting world. The product world is the hot sheet, and then we use our talk show Infuse to teach people about the industry, introduce people to other people in the industry, and it's for the candy curious and the cannabis people alike. Yeah, and it's 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 so much to process, and if you're new to this, it's to be so overwhelming you won't even want to start. You know, people right. you know, people ask us, "How did you get started?" And you're like, "We don't know." <laughs> We just did it. We don't even know how we did it. We just we made a lot of lists, and you know, just yes. yeah. And this was almost eleven years ago now, and and that was the very beginning. Um, I am curious: uh, is your mom still a nurse? She actually just retired about two years ago. Yeah. How does she feel about cannabis? Loves it. She, um, what I didn't know growing up was that she and my my dad recreationally smoked in the basement away from us hiding it because that was the belief at the time that it was a bad thing to hide away. Um, And once I got involved in the cannabis industry, it was really the first time that I talked to both of my parents about it and they had no problem with it, had no um, ill will towards it as a substance, but they had just never seen it as a medicinal thing. And so now they're using it, you know, recreationally, but in a lot of ways to, I'm going to say, they've used it in to replace alcohol. They've used it to just casually, creatively, um, but they, they are big fans of it and are, 100% 100% for the medical side of marijuana. Well, that's good because, you know, older generations, they, it's hard for them to get past, you know, what our government did to people <laughs> with the stigmas and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It's fun to yeah. make it to go out now and kind of teach their peers too, you know, having me be very publicly in cannabis and very out with it and them being wonderful parents that support me in, in what I'm doing, they're sharing the information that I get for their talking to their friends. And what I've heard most of all from the, from the baby boomer generation, the older generation is, well, yeah, I smoked weed when I was young, but oh my God, the stuff right. that's out now is so strong. And so it's about like, and then yeah. let's talk about microdosing. Let's talk about the effects you're actually yeah. trying to achieve. Let's talk about terpene profiles and not just THC and things like that. There's just so much more to it now and that people just don't know about. And 
especially, you know, the, the older generation, they, they come in and they go, I don't want to smoke. And so, you, don't, you don't have to smoke, you know. There's so many other things you can do now. So, yes, yeah, exactly. very interesting. Yes. Yeah, it's it's fun, you know. They've tried edibles, they've tried some vapes, they've tried some pre rolls. I'm I'm very proud of them. They're wow. Just, um, yeah, yeah, they're they're open to it and um, they're not they're not shy about it. So it's exciting to see that because you're right, uh, adoption in an older generation is going to be a really important part of the market. Yeah, it really is, and 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 I think what you hit on um, first was education. How do you go about educating uh, people that are probably kind of hesitant, you know, to say, oh, that's a bad, you know, that's the devil's lead. <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> How do you approach that? Um, I ask a lot of questions. Um, you know, the first, the first thing I want to know is where are they coming from? Where did they get that? that notion um who told them that or how did that come in to be imprinted on their core belief system because what if we're trying to change you know hearts and minds here then we need to understand what foundation we're actually working from is it that they were misinformed and they think they have facts that are either outdated or proven wrong and it's just a straight misinformation that we need to correct or are they do they have a feeling about it because I know a lot of people that I've run into that are resistant to cannabis, it's usually because somewhere along the line they've had um, addiction experiences in their families, with their loved ones, with themselves, and there's a fear there that cannabis is a part of an addictive you know, substance family, and they don't they don't want that quote unquote gateway drug to become part of a bigger problem that they've already been hurt and traumatized by. So it's it's just straight up PTSD almost. Um, and so, yeah. it's, what are we trying to change here? A heart, a mind, information? Is it, it are we clarifying things? Or is it brand new? They just don't know, and they felt weird asking. So I ask a lot of questions to start out. And then meet them where they are. And it's not about – it's just like politics in a lot of ways. If you go in going, I'm going to change your mind, we'll accomplish right. nothing. But if we go right. in with, I want to understand where you're coming from, and then I want to give you something that might change your mind. I don't know if it will, but let's, let's consider this. If this is now true, what does that do for you? How does that change anything, if, if at all? And – if you can get them to at least, let's say you have somebody that's incredibly stubborn, incredibly rooted in their fear, um, and it's like, well, I, I just don't know about that after you've given them the information right. or the, the feelings about it. It's like, well, okay, I, would, I totally understand that it's a lot of process, hard to change your mind on anything, but I just want you to ask yourself, like, why? Why do we believe this and who is it serving? Because ultimately that's that's where we get to the truth of things and if you can't answer why then maybe it's time to do more research and to change what we believe so that's on a personal level that's where i come um, to people in terms of conversations that's yeah and that's that's a really great way to approach things if you do try and go and just shove education down someone's throat they're going to be really resistant (laughs) (laughs) yes Exactly, exactly, because then it's just oh, a, a battle on, of wills. If I'm right, it. no, I'm right. Oh, you're, you're there. I'm, I'm having phone challenges. The, the, the program you used completely just dropped out, so I had to call in and host it from my phone. It's very ridiculous, but I got you back, so for good. Okay, good. Um, 
So where are you right now, and where are the sales joints? You, it's, um, I'm looking at the membership page, and you've got 30 memberships per state. How many states are you in right now? So currently we're operating the hot sheet only in Oklahoma, but we are looking – we had okay. actually planned to launch in Washington State as well because we had done private oh. sales work for farms in there and had a lot of success, but – COVID changed everything, and so mm-hmm. when the ordering process, the way purchasing managers are, are purchasing changed to be mostly online and not phone work or not, you know, setting up appointments, like we'll take anybody whenever they walk in, it, it kind of negates the whole idea of establishing professional sales behind the business. So we realized Washington market with – the way that the market is right now where purchasing managers have tons of inventory to select from at incredibly low prices, they're just too overwhelmed right now, and they're not on site enough for the model to work. So we're looking at other states, things like um, Michigan, um, Mississippi, um, we're scouting out New Mexico, um, Jersey just came online, although they're a lot of vertical integration wow. on the East Coast. So, yeah, we're, we're scoping out those, but nationally we are doing consultation and private sales for farms. So we operate out of Delaware, but we get on a plane and fly to meet clients pretty, pretty frequently, and um, we learn about and operate from Delaware in other states every day, all day, without people even noticing or blinking an eye. I think COVID did help, do a lot to help kind of lower state line barriers and, you know, making distance work a lot more normal and acceptable. Hello? Hello? Oh, I don't... I can... Almost hear you, but not quite. Oh, I could kind of hear you, almost. Okay. All right. Oh, here we are. My apologies. Oh, there. Can you hear me now? So, A little bit, yes. Oh, it just went away again. Yeah. Yeah. Is that better? Can you hear me now? Can you can you hear me now? Let me put <laughs> I can hear you now. Get to reception here. I know the biggest the big thing. Can you hear me now? Are we there? <laughs> I can better hear now? you now. We are here. Oh, good, good. I had to kind of walk out onto my front porch now. Um, wow. So you're really reaching out to a lot of different states. It's really awesome. And and yeah, we were talking about uh, how COVID is kind of. Ex- it actually helped cannabis quite a bit in that it, the industry became an essential medicine for people. So they, mm-hmm. you know, states all around left left dispensaries open if they weren't, you know, being raided or anything. Mm-hmm. But um, so that was that's really really incredible. So you you're yeah. going to reach out to just as many states as you can and try and help as many small businesses uh, get into this industry, which is not an easy one to get into. Exactly. Yeah, it is not. And it's not an easy one. Once you're in, you have just planted the seed. That is just the beginning of the work because 
um, you know, establishing yourself in a mature market or launching in a new market presents very different challenges that require different business strategies in terms of your sales and marketing approaches. And so we know what it takes to, to succeed in both kinds of markets. Um, we have learned from working with dispensaries that are successful and ones that have unfortunately not seen success that we've seen what works and what doesn't in terms of a long-term strategy. And that's really a big part of our mission is getting people to look at cannabis as a long-term um, game. So we're not, we're not helping people get more transactions. We're helping them grow their top-line revenue through repeated mm. sales, relationship-based business that is a long-term sustainable business model because that's where growth really gets going. And, and it's an easy concept to buy into if you look at it Let's say you're a grower, and it's like you don't just make up a new way to grow your weed every time. You have a system. There is a process that you follow that works every single time. You make slight adjustments based on what it is you're growing or the conditions you're growing in. But other than that, right. once you have it down, you keep doing the right things to create the same success over and over again. Sales is the same exact way. You run it on a system, and yeah, it's a lot to get those systems up and, and started. That's where we help out. That's where we can tell you mm. what to work on next, how to set yourself up for success. But then once it's there, oh my gosh, you can go and run, and there's no ceiling to your success. Right. Um, that's the exciting right. stuff that we love to do. That is exciting. It's, it's good guidance, and if more people had that, there would be better business people out there, you know, succeeding. That's really awesome. Now, yeah. you have a, a English lit background. Where did you get this business background? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought uh, growing up I wanted to be like my dad, who was a high school English teacher. And I thought, wow, talking about books all day? That sounds amazing. So um, I did go to the University of Delaware and got my – uh, my bachelor's in secondary English education and spent six years teaching in different um, secondary schools, so high schools uh -oh. um, and some, some middle schools. And I liked it, um, but it wasn't the dead poet society world that I thought I was yeah. getting. <laughs> <laughs> right? They, they oversold that one, didn't they? <laughs> yes, they did. Robbins was too good of an actor, I guess. Um, yes. But, yeah, there were no oh captain my captain moments, but um, uh. but that's okay. I I realized after trying um, in education and trying to make it fit that I just had more ambition, more entrepreneurial spirit than I I thought I had, and I wasn't wow. I wasn't comfortable at a school anymore. So I hmm. I make decisions quickly, and so I was like, okay. Well, I'm leaving. What do I do next? And I was like, I, I do like arguing, but becoming a lawyer is going to be, mm. take too much time and money. And so I was like, I like right. houses. So um, my uncle is was a broker. Um, he and his business partner were brokers and owned their own real estate company. So I ended up getting my real estate license and doing that for about eight years, seven years or so. Um, I was a real estate agent and I really liked it. I liked being my own boss. I liked being in charge of my own destiny. I loved setting goals and, and learning sales and business. And really, because of 
the way real estate is set up. You are your own business. Um, the brokerage right. is really just where you hold your license and get your advice and split your money. But um, it was great until, unfortunately, it was during the time when Emily died, and it was after that mm. that things kind of fell apart for me. And when I lost, yeah. you know, really my anchor and, like, who I was, I also lost caring about a lot of normal things in life, and I needed – I couldn't motivate myself to really go out and, you know, get that business and try and get new clients. All of that seemed so unimportant in the face of, you know, the oh, tragedy I was experiencing. So yeah, it was I, – I kept it going, but I realized I needed something else, something just kind of to show up for, and, um, and I met mm. Mike – who's my business partner, and he was running, um, he owns and runs a company in the, you know, traditional market that is a sales and marketing company for industrial coder, like the industrial coding world. And he needed somebody to do some writing for him, just some some basic kind of copy stuff. And I was like, well, yeah, I have the English degree. I can definitely do some writing. And I started working for him part-time. I really loved it. I loved working with him. I loved the business, I learned more about business. I learned about running, you know, the, from going from a, a small business to a multi-million dollar business. And it was just so much that I was like, this is, this is my jam. This is what I, I actually ah. love is being part of an organization and not being a solopreneur. And when he right. came to me and said, listen, I've been scoping out this cannabis market. And I think it's very similar because just like in the industrial world, you have manufacturers and engineers making yeah. something, but they're not good at selling it. In the cannabis world, right. you have growers and farmers growing something, but maybe aren't interested in the sales process. He's like, I think we can bring mm-hmm. the same value to them. And I was like, let me look into it. And then I looked into cannabis and I was like, listen, if we're going to do this, this is not a money grab. This is not a quick cash thing. We have got to be on um, the social justice end. We have to be on the political end. We have to be in front of this. We can't be hiding it. We, we really have to be advocates because this plant was here before the industry was here. And we need to honor the people yes. that brought this industry about by fighting for this plant with their, their lives and their freedom. So he was like, 100%, yeah. I'm on board. That's why I want you on. And so together we started oh. our, our cannabis business. <laughs> Awesome. And when did you start it? I believe that was in 2015, actually. I think it was 2015 or 2014. can't remember which one we incorporated it in. But we started out as Alias Can, a sales and marketing business for cannabis businesses. It was very broad. And we worked for people that did industrial. We had grow lights. We had, um, uh, I'm trying to think, we had a a grow light customer. We had a um, uh, grow unit customer, we had farmers as customers, we had CBD customers, we had a delivery box customer, we had so many different kinds of people mm. that we ended up helping and it was really when we narrowed down what we liked to do and where we were the most successful, it was with the producers and processors and retailers. And so when we could get that niche down, we started the sales joint to kind of differentiate ourselves from being everything to everyone to being one thing for a very select group of people. So Alias Ken turned into the sales joint, and, um, yeah, and we have a CBD side of our business, too, because that needed its own home as well. Right. And how how are people receiving this? 
really well overall. I would say the hardest part about this is the stigma around sales in the cannabis industry. The fact that sales, when I, when I come in and I start talking, you know, nerding out about a customer pyramid and managing the dynamic flow of it and making sure you're growing from your 80%, your next top 20%, it's like, oh, my God, this is boring, very corporate. It's like you're bringing in a suit to the cannabis industry. And I'm like, no, no, we are giving you the tools to succeed because it's not that corporate weed grows better product. It's not about that. It's about the fact that they make it easy to work with them. They make it easy to get that distribution out and give anticipate needs, find pain points, and then deliver solutions. That's something any business can do. So why shouldn't small businesses do it and actually do it way better because they can pivot quicker, they are more personal, mm. they are more authentic and genuine. They really I, I haven't met a grower yet who has been in this business just to make money. They're here because it's a cause as well. So let's put that cause into copy and let's make sure we share that because that's what people are going to connect with. That's cannabis connection. So it feels corporate. It can people look at sales and it's like, ugh I think of the used car salesman. I think of the Willie Loman. I think anybody can do sales. And as long as you have those stigmas around sales, you're not going to make it a priority. And it needs to be. It needs to be your second priority as a producer and second only to product quality because, you know, and that's assuming compliance is not an issue. But if you have great product and not great sales, you hit a ceiling really fast. And likewise, yep. if you just have okay product and great sales, you're still going to hit a ceiling fast. You need right. both. You need the CBD and the THC of it, you know, this whole spectrum kind of look at your business of quality and process, and now you're off to the races. So I would say getting people into those conversations, getting them to understand that we're not trying to come in here and corporatize what they're doing. We're trying to help them do what they want to do faster, better, and at a more repeatable better. rate. That's when more the conversations really mm-hmm. get going, and everybody's on board for that. Because it's hard to take what you love and turn it into money. You know what I mean? And, yes. And a lot of growers just love to grow. They just like to grow, and they yes. don't have the, the people skills enough to go out and pitch their stuff and package it right and, you know, put a price point on it and say this and do that and dress in a suit and tie or whatever they want to do to, you know, get a sale. They're like, nope, I'm going to put my overalls on and get out the farm and do my farming, you know? So it's – Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. a great – um, No, it's a great business model because people need help out there, especially with this. It's new. I mean, it's not new, but it's new for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm glad mm-hmm. you're working with the smaller uh, businesses just because they're the ones that, you know, seem to have the hardest time getting things launched and going and efficient. And organized. Right. And and we are a small business. And so we get it. You know, mm-hmm. it's a lot of people yeah. are wearing many hats and trying to do a lot yeah. in a very short amount of time. And so we understand all of those pain points because we live them. We go through them. And it was like, if we're telling you as a client, listen, you're trying to be everything to everyone. You need to find out who your ideal customer is and then brand yourself appropriately as though you're speaking only to that one single customer, we're not telling you that because 
we're everything to everyone. We're telling you that because we were everything to everyone and it didn't work. And so we learned what worked for us and how it worked and why it worked. And now we're just sharing that knowledge. That's what we're doing is like we lived it. We, we've seen it. We've seen other people live it. We're going to make sure that, um, that everybody benefits from that lived experience. And it's not a one-size-fits-all when it comes to small business. You know, it might be really easy to talk about volume of production when you're talking about multi-state operators making millions of dollars of investment trying to own cannabis. But when you're talking about small business, usually you're talking about, you know, big problems in a small business tend to be multifaceted and they require a customized approach. And so is it that you have a retention problem of customers or employees? Is it that it, and maybe that's tied to a culture problem or maybe it's a messaging problem? And so finding these threads and following them all the way through to, to discover really the root of it and healing that root so that the growth can happen exponentially beyond, that's, that takes a very personal approach, a very custom approach, and it, it takes somebody who's been in the trenches with you at some point in, you know, in some way. Very skilled, so they, yeah, a very skilled approach. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's well said. Well, and so tell our listeners, tell everybody out there, um, about your packages, maybe a little pricing, and then how to get in touch with you so that people can reach out. Because still my partner here and I are sitting here going, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> We need to call her later. Wow, wow. <laughs> we know there's a lot of other people out there doing the same thing, like, oh, my God, how, how, how? <laughs> wow and how. So tell us. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I love that. Um, you can always get in touch with us through our website, thesalesjoint.com. Uh, there's a phone number on there. There's email on there. You can certainly follow us on social. Instagram is where we're probably the most active, um, and that's just, the sales joint handle. There might be a couple underscores in there, but you'll see the, the little fire logo and that's us and you can DM us, but really you can reach out to me personally, Francesca at the sales com. That's my personal email and there's no H in Francesca. Um, so it's just F R A N C E S C A. And we will basically do our process is we, we, we want to see what your goals are. So we'll, dis we'll schedule a 30-minute discovery call that's completely free. We'll talk to you about what is it you're trying to achieve, where are you experiencing some frustrations, or, um, you know, where, where do you think you see the problems, and then, you know, ask a whole bunch of questions. And then Mike and I will meet with our team, review everything, and then put together essentially like a plan for you and say, okay, here's what I think is the next right step or the next two at the most three right steps because we don't need ten um, <laughs> overwhelming right. people. We'll say, here's right. the next right steps, and usually we include some freebies in that, like here's a one a template for a one page business plan, or here's a template for mm. some social media content if you want to create it. Because we're all about like giving giving as much as we can, and then from there in that plan it'll be it looks like creating whatever it is you need created is an X number of hours project. And so then we just bill it by the hours and you can use those hours however it is you see fit. You know, is it you want to uh. do three hours and it's, I think it's 150 an hour or 100 an hour. I can't remember. I'm terrible with the numbers. But um, huh. we make it so it's affordable. It's not a $5,000 consult out right. of your pocket all at once. Right. the first time you meet us. 
that's not right. that's not helping small businesses. So no, and that would scare that scares to, people. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So we are we try to be affordable. We try to be as approachable and make sure that we we take things one bite at a time. We don't need to eat the whole elephant. We're just taking a bite, and we'll tell you which bite you're going to take next. Awesome. That's really, really fantastic, and um, I think it's going to be really useful for a lot of people because it's, it's overwhelming. Business is overwhelming, you know, it's, and especially oh if you're God. not, if you haven't, yeah, people say it's 24-7, yeah. and we say 25-8 is what it is because <laughs> you really are on, like, yeah, you don't get it. You like don't get BSA. that. that Eight days yeah. a week, right? <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they liked their candidates. Yeah. They knew what was going on. Oh, that's Absolutely. funny. Absolutely. Oh, so, Francesca, yeah, the, um, this has been an, Yeah. I was going to say, this you can also follow awesome me interview. on LinkedIn. We share a okay, ton of yeah. free stuff on there, too. Oh, cool. Okay. Excellent. Yeah, LinkedIn, that's a good one. Um, yeah, yeah. What? thank you so much for coming on and for doing what you do and we're really glad that you're here. Um, sorry about your sister, but I know you are seeing, trying to see this as the most positive way you can, and that's just really awesome. You know, the menu for that. That's really amazing. And thank you for sharing thank the you. education, yeah, and, and information that you do in in a good way because that's you got to be approachable, and you're very approachable. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you so much. We really appreciate. It. I know. Doing, doing media, it's really important, um, and that's another way people can get in touch with us or follow here what we're about is following us on Infused, um, a cannabis talk show. That's our YouTube channel um, or anywhere that people listen to podcasts. You can find that. So sorry I've scattered on my handles and how to get in touch, but there's just a no, lot that I want to share. So Thank you for that, and that's great because not everybody does one social media platform. You know, other people have – the platforms that they like to use. So the more, the merrier. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you, Francesca. We hope you have a wonderful day. And we will be reaching out to you uh, to chat with you more about what you do. Excellent. I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to that conversation. And thank you so much for sharing and for all that you do, because it takes a village for sure. It really does. And we're happy that we're in the same village now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, neighbor. <laughs> hey, neighbor, exactly. We'll be high-fiving soon and smoking a bowl together, maybe. We'll get out that way. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you, and have an awesome day. Thank you. You too. Take care. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. All right. Francesca Vavala, everybody. Woo. Wow, what that's some great information. That is a whole lot of great information. We're going to have to listen to that over and over and over again, and we're going to have to all get there and call Francesca. Um, actually, today we're going to have to end the show just a few minutes early. That's okay. Don't worry. We'll be back next week. So tune in to Wednesday, Wednesday. Come down to Tumbleweed Cell Center at 4826 East Broadway Boulevard. Come to the Good Leaf at 6224 East Speedway Boulevard. Come get certified. Go to tumbleweedshealthcenter.com and check it out. And as always, be smart, be safe, and educate. Whoop,
Happy Weeds Day, everybody. Have a great day.